here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Didn't his story change your life? God's story intersecting with your story, Jesus embracing the story of your life created a brand new story. God asked you to walk into the story, the life of other people, and change it. To demonstrate redemptive love so that their lives will be changed. Take a moment and recall a time in your life where God stepped in and changed your world. Got one? Do you remember what it was like before then? Pastor Ed asks us today to recall how much God has influenced our life simply by inserting His love into it. He then reminds us that God is asking us to insert His love into the people around us. Wouldn't you want to share the life-altering power of God with others? And seeing them find the same joy and peace you have found, wouldn't that be priceless? Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Love One Another. The Gospel of St. John, the 13th chapter. Powerful words that Jesus spoke had a very difficult time in his journey. It was the last week of his life, the Last Supper. Judas walks out to betray him. He's going to tell his disciples that all of them will forsake him and that Peter will deny him. Sandwiched in between those events are these words found in chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So must you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Wherever you find genuine concern, it gets attention. Even if it's in the animal world. In Maryland... By the river Avon, Teresa was one morning early looking out her window. And Canadian geese and swan just flock into the area there. And she noticed as she got up early in the morning to have her coffee and just devotions, she noticed out on the lake there was a goose. Its webbed feet were stuck in the ice. He was shivering. And she looked just above it, and swan were flying. And all of a sudden, the lead swan made a right turn, and they began to circle in the area around that goose. And then they came down right by it. And she thought, well, surely they're going to kill that goose. Because Swan could be very territorial. But to her surprise, as they approached, the Swan lifted their heads up and then bent it down, lifted it up and bent down, and they freed that goose's feet from the ice. And then they flew up in the air again as if to watch what would happen. But the goose's feathers were frozen and his body was still shivering and so four of them flew back down and they began to scrape off the ice from the wings and from the body and they flew back up and that 
who stretched its wings and flew back into the air and followed those swans. It gets our attention when we see compassion. Jesus said, if you love one another, the world is going to know you're my disciples. The world pays attention when it notices love, supernatural love in the church. Jesus said to his disciples, I give you a new commandment. Oh, we know there's 10 commandments. Jesus added one on. It's the 11th, and it's for his church. It's for believers. Where to love one another. The text says, Jesus gave us the command to love one another. In verse 34, a new command I give you. Why the command to love one another? The command to love. My command, Jesus. My command. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to give you an option. I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to let you think about it. No, he said, I command you to love one another. Our fallen nature goes against that. That's why Jesus had to make it a command. He had to make it a command because naturally we are selfish. Watch that little toddler grow up. Some of its early words are, give me, mine, I want that. Now as we grow older, we submerge those words, we're more sophisticated, but our actions betray us. We're selfish. And Jesus commanded us to get out of that fallen nature realm and into the realm that he wants us to live in, that of love. And so he says, I command you to love. I guarantee you, you'll have a test on that. Yeah. On a regular basis, person gets on your nerves. You want to set them straight. You want to, well, you know what you want to do. You're tested again and again and again to love them. You get to your knees, you open the Bible, and God says, wrong attitude, mm-hmm. wrong thoughts. I could fix them. God says, ah, no, no, I want to fix you. You love them. St. Augustine said, love slays what we have been that we may be what we are not. Love slays what we have been that we may be what we are not. You know how you're going to grow more like Christ? You know how you're going to grow in sanctification and holiness and righteousness? By loving. And there's going to be plenty of opportunities through the journey of life to learn how to love people. And so Jesus gave us that command. He knew it was a necessity for us and he had to emphasize it to us and he emphasized it to his disciples. Soon he would be leaving and he was the glue that held those disciples together. And he wanted his disciples to remain together. Uh, James fighting with John and fighting with Andrew and fighting with Peter and fighting with the rest. All this goes on in among them. And Jesus is sort of keeping them all together. 
And then Jesus said, I'm giving you a new command. Love one another. This love is for a community, a community of faith. If you look at the text, it says in verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another, love one another. Jesus was forming a new community. This new community was going to be the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And they were going to have a unique love for each other that was formed by a relationship with Jesus Christ. His redemptive love was explosive in their lives and it helped them to love each other. Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, noted that the critics of the church would say, how those Christians love one another. They even love other Christians that they hadn't met. You know that's true. You're on the train in New York City and all of a sudden you see somebody with a Bible. You know they're not a Jehovah Witness. But, <laughs> you, but you, you, you know they're a Christian, you know. And, and, you, and you just know they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden there's this connection. You meet somebody at an airport. You go on vacation. Oh, you're a believer. There's that connection. God put that. God created that. God developed that in our lives. But you know, it's not always easy to love those in the community of faith. Because you know them. Oh, yeah. It's so easy to love people we don't know. But those that are close by us, we see their flaws, we know their faults, we've observed their weaknesses. In fact, perhaps... They've rubbed us the wrong way. A pastor tells a story of taking a team of people from his church in Ohio, and they went to Kentucky, and there in Kentucky, they were rebuilding some broken-down poverty areas, and they were serving as a church and doing a great work, and at the end of that time, the pastor from that community came to them, and they began the talk, and... and, uh, The pastor shared, he said, you know, I can't really take my people into the local community here to help. Because once they see friends and neighbors, they said, they don't deserve help. They got that into that situation themselves. Ah, no, that that, that shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't help them. They don't deserve it. He said, I have to take the people outside the area where they don't know people because they'll show more compassion. Isn't it true that sometimes people wear our patience thin? We know them. We'll go the second, the third, the fourth mile for somebody we don't know, but somebody we know. Well, it reminds me of the little melody, the little ditty that says, to dwell above with saints we love, oh, that will be sure, sure to be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's another story. But once you start giving love, once you take the command of Jesus seriously, you may say, Lord, I don't feel like loving this person. I don't feel like doing the loving thing. But you know it's a command, and so you do it. Who said you have to feel like doing a command to do it? You just do it. And as you do it, you find that God fills your heart with love. As you do the right thing, the right feelings 
follow. Someone has said, uh, love is like the five loaves and two fish. It doesn't start to multiply until you give it away. As you give it away. As you begin loving people in this congregation, in this community, and serving people, as you begin doing those things, you will find that love multiplies in your heart and multiplies in this community of faith. Jesus said a new commandment. A new commandment. Well, wait a minute. In the Old Testament, we're told to love God, right? We're told to love our neighbor. In fact, Leviticus 19.18 says... Never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. How is it new then? Well, I believe it's new in this way. Jesus gave us an example of what he meant by love. He took it to a whole nother level. He raised the standard up. His life modeled what love was going to be like. And so when he says a new commandment, well, he's going to show us what a new love is all about. He's raising it to a completely another level. I know that uh, in verse 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Notice the text, as I have loved you. He gave us this example. He said, follow me. Do what I've done. Notice, I, as I have loved you. How has God loved you? How many chances has he given you? How many times has he forgiven you? How many times has he put your sins behind Put it in the past when you've gone to him in repentance and asked for forgiveness. In the book of Ephesians, Paul said a similar thing when he said in 5.2, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Follow Christ's example. Live a life of love. Jesus' life was redemptive. He bought us back. He rescued us. He redeemed us. That was a life that he lived. It was a redemptive love. In John 15, verses 12 to 13, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life And he's asking you to do the same for others. It's not all about you. It's all about him. It's not about gathering and getting and living for ourselves. It's about living for him. He said, love one another. How? Love each other redemptively. Be willing to lay down your lives. C.S. Lewis said, though our feelings come and go, his love for us does not. He does not wearied by our sins or our indifference and therefore it is quite relentless in its determination that we shall be cured of those sins at whatever the cost to us at whatever the cost to him and that's from mere Christianity it costs Jesus greatly suffering on the cross it will cost you to follow him and exhibit redemptive love Someone has said, if you love, you will suffer. 
And if you do not love, you do not know the meaning of a Christian life. Agatha Christie. If you love, you're going to suffer. People will take advantage of you at times. Now, I'm not saying being a welcome mat. I don't mean that. I don't mean just erase boundaries and let people take advantage of you. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you listen to the voice of God. And sometimes you've got to get counsel so that you can distinguish His voice. Because sometimes we hear... Not clearly because of our subjectivity. But you listen to God and God begins to tell you, this is how you're to love, this is how you are to help people change. Didn't his story change your life? God's story intersecting with your story, Jesus embracing the story of your life created a brand new story. God asked you, to walk into the story, the life of other people, and change it. To demonstrate redemptive love so that their lives will be changed. I think about uh, that child that is away from God and that parent just prays and prays and prays. And sometimes it's years, sometimes it's decades, and sometimes it's sending a letter, making a phone call. I think about that spouse who continually loves that other spouse, their partner, who begins to distance themselves. And they keep on loving and keep on showing concern. There's not this sense of retaliation in their life. I think about the spiritual leader in the church who looks for the wanderer, the person who's going astray. God puts somebody on your heart and you do that. True love is always costly. It always will cost you. From John Eldridge, he said, Have you ever had to turn a lover over to a mortal enemy to allow her to find out for herself what his intentions to her really were? Have you ever had to lie in bed knowing she was believing his lies and was intimate with him every night? Have you ever sat helplessly by in a parking lot while your enemy and his friends took advantage of your lover even when you sat nearby unable to win her heart enough so that she would trust you to rescue her? Have you ever called this one you had loved for so long and asked her if she was ready to come back to you only to have her say her heart was still captured by your enemy? Have you ever watched your lover's beauty slowly fade in the haze of alcohol, drugs, occult practices, and infant sacrifices until she's no longer recognizable in body or soul? For those of you who are biblically literate, think of the story of Hosea and Gomer at that point. An illustration of God's love for the backslider. And he goes on to say, have you ever loved one so much? That you even sent your only son to talk with her about your love for her. Knowing that he will be killed by her. That's what God did for you. That's what God did for me. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. As I have loved you, you love others.
Jesus was leaving, and he knew his church had to go on. He knew that his church had to continue. It was the most important message of the world would ever hear that Jesus died on the cross and suffered for man's sins. And he knew that unless they loved one another, they would fragment and disperse and break up. And so he said, this is a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I. Think about Jesus and you. Think about all his patience with you as I have loved you. It was redeeming love. Not only redeeming love, but reconciling love. In 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. There are some people that like to flaunt the faults of others. They lift them up to pull them down. It's a sport to them to pick critically at their flaws. I think of Noah and his sons. How the youngest son comes in and makes fun of his father as his father is naked because he was drunk. And the two older brethren walk backwards and they cover their father's body lest he be shamed. Love covers a multitude of sins. There are people who just love others so much that they don't maximize their weaknesses and flaws and faults, but they look to help them. These disciples were different from one another. They conflicted with each other. That's been in the beginning of the church and it'll be to the end of the church because we're all flawed with feet of clay. We're all in the process of becoming. And because of that, these flaws, we we rub each other wrong. Jesus, he knows how once people get to know each other, they get to grow distant. Because everybody disappoints you. Only one will never disappoint you, and that's God. Everybody, once you know people and you get to know Boy, I, I see this floor and that floor and the other floor and the other. But Jesus said, as I, as I, as I have loved you, so love one another. It's a reconciling love. It brings people together. One of the uh, characteristics of Pastor Greco that I admired so was his ability to bring hot-tempered Italians together. I was in an Italian church, you know. I'm part Italian, so I could say that. So they'd be fighting, you know. They'd go into his office, and they'd be reconciled. They'd walk out of the office like they were best friends. And I remember saying to Pastor Greco, Pastor, would you lay hands on me, pray for me? I want that anointing. <laughs> and, and he prayed over me, and I, and I said, Lord, I'm going to take that anointing because I would have needed a church work. <laughs> but it was a tragedy when Pastor Greco died Others came in the church and they didn't have that same philosophy. And people who were friends for years scattered and fought and separated. Well, you've seen it. Church fights can be the ugliest and the most hurtful. If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. 
The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.